You have reached Mike. Actually, it's just a recording of my voice, and I'm off doing something else. Go ahead and leave a message. Welcome to the FN Rad Snowboarding Podcast. I'm Eric Charlson, and this is episode 15. Yeah, I didn't start even riding till I was 65 years old. The first board I ran was this plastic Sims Lonnie Toft with a skate deck. Snowboarding is exactly the same as it used to be. It's just, you know, everybody wants something from it. I don't know if I can endure any more shitty winters. We're going to be okay, you know, and that's all that matters. You can put it away for a while, but you can't put it away forever because it's just almost like a spiritual thing. Mike Rankwood is one of a handful of sponsored skateboarders who started competing in snowboarding in the early 1980s. Rankwood's influence on snowboarding cannot be overstated. He was the original poster boy for the punk rock bad attitude that made snowboarding appeal to skaters like me. Gaining a reputation as a shit disturber by doing things like getting kicked out of Japan, Rankwood's marketability skyrocketed in the early 90s. He never ceased to call bullshit on anything he saw as lame. And he could ride backwards better than most people could ride forwards. His crew, the MBHC, was the most dedicated and influential group of snowboarders ever. Period. If you love snowboarding, you owe a debt of gratitude to the MBHC. Because without them, there's a good chance snowboarding would have remained a kookier outlier like kiteboarding or skimboarding. No offense intended. I love both those sports, but they never got cool, you know? Mike Rankwit left pro snowboarding due to an injury and followed a girl to Hawaii, where he lives now, raising his twin girls, skateboarding, surfing, and working in an ice factory. My friend Dennis has an ice-making company, basically. They deliver ice to different restaurants and all that shit. Because Dennis is super fucking cool, too. So it's like, it'd be like working for, like, you know, just a buddy, you know what I mean? So it's pretty funny. You got to wear many different hats over here, you know. Before my hip surgery, so I, I couldn't even skate, snowboard. I couldn't do anything. I kind of looked at a place to kind of heal. And at the time, I didn't know how severe my hip was. And I ended up getting the surgery done in Chicago, but it came back here. And it's exactly what I did. It was just healed from that, you know, just with getting in the water. And there's a lot of uh, there's a lot of crazy energy here if you can, you know, kind of tap into it, you know. Yeah, it's a good, good place to heal. That's for goddamn sure. It's a good place, anyways, but good place to heal. Because I'm a you know, snowboarder, skateboarder, and you know about Hawaii, you know? And then, you know, say going out in the water and shit. I just, I, you know, I kind of know what it's like at the top of the totem pole in some aspects of uh, board sports. So I know what to do at the bottom of the totem pole where I am here. So as long as you act accordingly, you're okay, you know? You did uh, skate before you snowboarded. Yeah, yeah, for years. Like, that's what got me into snowboarding. was seeing probably some Burton or Sims quarter page ad in the back, and I had already skied. And at the time, I was like, probably 13, I was learning to be a ski instructor of little kids, right? The way you had to do that was, like, regress your skiing and learn to ski all over again, go through the snow all is to get this instructor license. And as I was getting that license, like, those month, that month, it was probably, like, November, I was skateboarding in empty pools all week. So we'd be, like jump into some crazy pool up in Edmonds and bail it out and like be able to get you know 20 runs in before the cops came running through the woods and it was so it was so crazy like skateboarding was so like expressive and like do it yourself and and then I'd come up to skiing on the weekends and it was like just like flatline like 
you know, okay, well, put 60% of your weight on this edge. And do, like, I was like, fuck this. You know, like, I, I, I was, I think I probably would have stopped skiing because it just was, seemed so restrictive to me. It seemed like, what do you call it, more like a technique than a passion, you know what I mean? Yeah. Like, so yeah, it just made sense. I just started snowboarding. And I think I just stood in the neighborhood with this kid, Gil. He and I went to Ski Acres one, one night. It was the first time we'd ever been to a ski area. So Ski Acres allowed snowboarding, you know, one night a week. You know, one night a week for like an hour or something like it was seriously. So the first time I, I, I you know, Gil and I went up to the ski area. We were both skiers, so kind of like frustrating because we knew we could go down this mountain on skis just fine, but we were on these fucking archaic boards. And just then, like, Craig pops over the spin. That first day, Mike and his friend Gil met Craig Kelly, who would be one of Mike's very good friends for the next 20 years. If you don't know about Craig Kelly and the impact he had on the sport, we're going to do a big Craig episode next season to fill you in. For now, you'll have to take our word that he was arguably the most important individual to ever take up snowboarding. Literally rides down in front of us on this little mogul field that we just both asked each other, like, what if that's even possible on a snowboard? And, like, in movie script. You know, get back, let snowboarder in place, you know. There was Craig just ripping down right on the lift. And you had to point it through the flaps to get to the chair lift, so I just started pointing it. And I was like, I gotta meet that guy, you know. Literally the first snowboarder I ever saw, besides Gil, you know, we both just, just started, it was what Craig. What boards were you riding? Was that a Woody? Some 1400 Woody, I don't know, like the one of that high backs, no metal edges. Mm-hmm. And I'm um, sure Gil was on a similar setup. And you know, Craig came fucking flying down the Sims board, I think. You know, like, and he just looked badass. You know, it was like, dude, you know, because what we were doing sucked, <laughs> but what he was doing looked fun, you know. And I remember we exchanged, like, I rode up and I was like, no one in line, it was raining that night. I was like, single! And he just turned around to me and just gave me this look I got a lot over the years, which was just this, a look of annoyance. <laughs> you know, like disappointment and annoyance. <laughs> I got that look from Craig a lot. And uh, that was the first time. Though. And so we went up and got each other's names. I think I gave him my phone number. Well, I know he did because he called me like three days later, which I couldn't believe. He invited me up to Mount Baker that weekend. Yeah, and at that time, like, so I went up there. I skated with Jeff Fulton at a couple of skateboard contests in Seattle. And so when I got up here, he recognized me. In fact, yeah, we were in a skateboard contest together. I got him to get bumped from A to from B class to A class, or something like, because he was so good, you know. Like, yes. and then I won the B class. It looked yeah, like, yeah, like, so like yeah, I screwed him out. Yeah. You know what yeah, I mean? Yeah, yeah, like, so we had that between us, which was I, I, even then it was funny, you know. And then. You know, I met Dano that weekend, and, and Jeff, it was more like, probably met him properly. We'd been to a couple contests together, you know, just early days, Northwest. You know, I'm sure Sean Kearns was there, you know what I mean? Like, that, that type of shit. It was cool to see Jeff up there. Okay, cool, I know a skateboarder that does this. And then, uh, you know, then it just started. I don't know, we just started all riding together. Those guys were already riding together. I was like the Grom. Jeff Fulton and Dan Donnelly had already formed the MBHC. Accepting Rankwood into the group would give him an opportunity to ride with some of the best snowboarders on the planet at the time. Mike's strong roots in skateboarding immediately gave him the ability to weed out snowboarding's early tendency for kookiness. I'd already been to Del Mar Skate Ranch and seen the best skaters in the world. And, you know, eight inches from my face through fucking the airs well over my head out of an eight-foot bowl and do it with so much style and so much power. 
I scoffed at what everyone was doing already. The first world championships, I was already just in my head, just like, what a bunch of buffoons. Right. Like, board sports gone wild. You know, like, just fucking a yeah. bunch of idiots, you yeah. know? And I, not that everybody was in it, but, like, there was no sense of, there's no barometer of style. There's no, like, one person saying, this is cool, that's not. There needed to be. And I kind of morphed into that over the years. Yeah, yeah definitely. <laughs> I saw a hole in the market, and I filled it. There you go. <laughs> There's a difference between, like, me and probably most snowboarders that were at that first world championships, or... I should say the ones of us from Mount Baker. Yeah. And probably the ones from Tahoe. Certainly not ones of the East, but we had seen the potential because we've been riding shit like we just rode today. You know what I mean? Like, I rode that shit at 15, 14 years old. So to me, like, yeah, skateboarding's gnarly, but it ain't got shit on this. Right. You know, like, if I fall skateboarding, I'm going to get hurt really bad. It ain't going to fucking kill me. Mm-hmm. And Baker was so badass. Like, I just saw it, like... It's going to take a long time for, like, you know, to convince anyone otherwise because of of the travesty of, like, almost comedy of errors going on with, with snowboarding's image, you know what I mean? I remember trying to talk to Lance Mountain in 1986 about snowboarding because I knew he'd snowboarded once, and he just scoffed at it and, like, you know, just made... And I was like, fuck, it's going to be tough. But in my head, I was like, these guys just haven't seen what I've seen. Here, here's a little sidebar... Like, because I live in Maui, because it's one of the windiest places in the fucking world, I finally said, okay. And because all my friends work in the kite industry and, like, equipment, of, you know, is uh, a plenty. I was like, okay, I'm going to learn to kite. And the one thing I'll say about that sport, is, besides that it is fun as shit, and, is that it is a completely unbridled board sport. There was no one in that sport 15 years ago going, hey, guys, you know what? That shit we do in there is pretty fucking gay. And we should probably figure out some other stuff to do. Because otherwise, we're just going to be branded as a really stupid-looking board sport. Mm. And we're going to be stuck there, and no one's going to have a barometer. And so to me, kite surfing and windsurfing is snowboarding without me and Roach. <laughs> you know what I mean? Like, if you threw someone like me or them into that sport 15, 20 years ago, kite surfing in particular, it would be cooler. It just would. But it's a really fun thing to do, you know? Like, mm. it is. Like, mm. it's, there's cool technical aspects of it. But, uh, you know, there's no one from the skate world in kiting. Known from the skateboard world in windsurfing at all. Might be some skateboarders randomly, some French dudes that skate and yeah. windsurf yeah, too, yeah, but yeah. not really per se as far as the pro level or snowboarding lucked out, yeah. basically. Lucked out. <laughs> all right, so your first snowboarding sponsor would be probably the Sims or something. Like no, Gnu. And again, like I knew those guys from like the weird little skateboard circuit of the early 80s in Seattle, and it was kind of like. You know, I remember a couple guys were like, yeah, those guys have a snowboard company, those, those two weird guys, you know. They were weird back then to everybody, you know. They've always been who they are, you know. And um, I don't know how it happened, but it ended up setting me up with the board. What board did you get, do you remember? Swallowtail. It was like when they were so impressive in their parents' garage, I think. I've only seen the reissue of that. I didn't realize that. I have it over there. I have it like a block away. No, you don't. Yeah, I do. Are you serious? I got to see it. Your original first yeah. board that you got from fucking... I can be. Yeah. <laughs> that board is like, it should be in a museum somewhere. Like, this yeah. is a real thing. Yeah, it's pretty crazy. Everybody wanted to ride for Sims. And I, I didn't know how it happened. They just hadn't flown me board. It didn't seem like that big of a deal to me at the time. Yeah. I was like, okay, cool. Thanks, guys. You know, I appreciated it for sure. I was excited. Mm-hmm. I remember um, Tom Sims then at the 86 Worlds asked me to be on Sims team. Mm-hmm. Fucking, of course I said yes. <laughs> Like, I'm not going to say no to Tom Sims, you know, like, so I went, like, kind of back and forth a little bit, 
because I finally like, settled on Sims, was with them for, I don't know, I don't even know what years, 69 to 74, I think. <laughs> That's what it feels like I'm talking about right now. And then something happened, probably got kicked off the team, and then GNS picked me up. Hen- Henry Hester saw like, like a je ne sais quoi on me, you know what I mean? Whereas everybody else saw me as like, like an ass clown, or, you know what I mean? Or like a troublemaker, just like more troublemaker than the first. Well, I think Henry Hester just saw like, whoa, fucking, actually this kid's on it, you know? He's got that thing. He came from skateboarding, you know, like, so he could see he where I came from. Champ, and, like big yeah, yeah, so it's like, and then, uh, I don't know, just from there, they, they started promoting me, they started utilizing me, you know, like, and then just kind of grew from there. What's, Did they have other boards? Like, they have a board? They had like SQ160, which was a square nose. <laughs> <laughs> No, it was cool though. Like I thought they were overstepping the boundaries of even giving me a pro model. To be honest, that was oh, you not were pushing boundaries at that time. I was. I totally was. I just felt like so in Craig's shadow, and in Dano's shadow, and they just got their pro models. Craig, I don't even think had his pro model with Burton yet. He was riding the black. Yeah, yeah. So it's like, no, like I felt guilty. I felt like a little bit like, you know. I just wish it was a little bit more established, you know? Mm-hmm. But I guess I was part of the people that established the idea of having a pro model. Whereas I doubted it at first, but nobody else did. You know what I mean? I was like, why are you giving me a pro model? Everyone was like, that's cool, you know? But to me, it was like downplay because ultimately, I didn't care. Like, I just wanted to skate. You know what I mean? Like, yeah. snowboarding was almost a, like a way for me to be able to skate everywhere, too, and, and skate with good dudes and get in on good sessions and kind of like utilize whatever I had in snowboarding I never skated for anyone per se like except independent yeah. so I just got decks from this guy for a while and wheels you know just got flow here and there I was never locked down through all my like teen, late teens and early 20s there was all my friends at the time they were all sponsored skaters and I never felt an urge to have to learn a trick on a skateboard snowboarding I totally did snowboarding I felt that pressure at, but I didn't want it in both sports so I was like I'm just going to cut skating off and just keep doing it I want to keep this for myself all through my early 20s, I was able to just go skate. I never worried if I got hurt, didn't worry if I got a photo, didn't, and I never took anyone's offers to do any, to do, to, for anything other than like, oh, you have a deck for me? Okay, cool. Thanks a lot. I'll put grip tape on it and I'll, I'll use it. You know, I like the shape. Cool. Thank you. Other than that, it was like I just had no obligations and I made sure of that type thing. Like I never did big photo shoots skateboarding. Like, there are photos of me, there are videos of me from back then, but like it was never like snowboarding where it was like you go do a photo shoot, you go, you know, like, Come down to the ramp. Let's take photos. That never really happened. It was more like somebody just happened to be there with the camera. When you guys would go and compete against the world, let's say in Alaska or something, ninety-nine percent of the people that are at the contest are out of their element. Yeah, and yeah. You guys are like, oh, it's a big baker. Just I can remember that my first my first flight in Alaska, first time I ever touched down in Alaska and got out of the heli. I was with Tom Burt. But it is a longer story. I give the shortest version. Scared shitless, get out of the helicopter, and I went. Finally, got over the knuckle and looked down. I was like, "Fucking cake? Are you kidding?" And Tom Burt's up there freaking out, and takes like sixty turns on the way down. And I literally fucking, I just let it run. Like I took like four turns, and like he was tripping even. Like, but he knew why. Like even Tom was like, "Oh, dude, you're in your element. This is, you're you're one of the only ones up here that is used to this, you know." Because, like, everything's exposed here. You're used to being over something where, like, even to traverse out to some of the lines, if you fuck up, you're going to fucking die. Yeah. You know, you will. Problems. If you fall yeah. backwards, hit your head, you'll fucking die, yeah. you know? Like, yeah, when you were like, today, are you good with a bit of shitty ice in the middle? Yeah. I'm like, yeah, that's good. And then as we're going down that thing, I'm like, 
I need to make sure I don't fucking flip over that. Yeah, 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 totally. Because it's and actually, you would have been fine in that. Yeah, once like, I got down, it's more to that like, oh, turn that we were doing up above, that one. sinky that turn. If that thing would have slid, you'd be dead. No, you're over eighty foot cliff. We're right above eighty foot right there. So. It's like and that, he, you're that just element. like mellow, nice mellow turn in there. I'm like, ah, oh, maybe I'll go a little deeper than he went. Like, yeah, yeah. That was, yeah. That was a sick turn in there. Yeah, it's super fun. Dude. Yeah, yeah. yeah. But you're completely exposed. So totally I'm, exposed. I was doing that same turn when I was 15 years old. Yeah. Going, oh shit, okay, it's over that big cliff. So when I was in Alaska, it's like everything's exposed up there, but you're used to it already from being at Baker, where everything's you know you're exposed. Because everywhere where you're meeting people for competitions, like you go down to the hood. It's a and joke. There's certain people that are like, have just been on that low angle stuff, just practicing and practicing. Like they got whatever they've got, ballerina spins yeah, or whatever, yeah. because it's just this. Yeah. But once you get to the Alaska stuff, yeah, yeah, dude, you got to just laugh. That, that would have been a big leg up for Craig Kelly as well, obviously. Yeah, for all of us. So like, I you know I remember I was up there for about a week when Craig came up, that my first trip up to Alaska, and he was like. You think you're kind of like you're settling in good up here? And I go, I was just looking at him like, no, no. The, the first time I ever said this, I said to him, I go, snowboarding is a sport is now defined. That's what I told him. Because I always told him, I said, this is an undefined sport. Yeah, you because know, it was going every which way. The, like even early '90s, I thought it was like half of it was really goofy, and there's no unit. Like, okay, this is cool, this isn't type. Like, it's skateboarding or surfing. Yeah. I was just going to kind of like whatever out. When I went up to Alaska, I was like, snowboarding is now defined. This because you can't do this surfing, you can't do this skateboarding. This isn't a trick. This isn't like you know what I mean. This isn't trying to be another sport anymore. This is something well. Yeah, thank you very much. It became defined my first day in Valdez last year. Like, done. But now I'm proud to be a snowboarder. I'll fucking argue anyone down. I'll fucking... You know what I mean? Like, That's before, it. it was like, okay, you got me. Yes. The gesture hat. You yeah. know what I mean? <laughs> fuck. Like, just walk away my head and be like, oh, God. Yeah, but, like, now it's like, no, fuck fuck you, you know? Like, that is the, that's the start of everything that led to, like, Johan, that led to... Like, yeah, 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 totally. Uh, everything that is, Everything like, good, like, that in, and, Yeah, all the free riding, all the Jeremy, big mountain riding, all the, all the fucking Craig hiking, all that shit started, I think, it's the first trip in Alaska. It's, like, just opened everyone's eyes, like... There's a thing. Oh, you can just fly right up there? <laughs> yeah, <laughs> fuck. Huh. I think I'll be in the hotel room for a little while. <laughs> like... Yeah, yeah was there ever any, were you ever on a trip where you're like, man, this is a little more than I... Are you kidding? Every morning. every morning after that first, I mean, every morning I woke up in Alaska, and every single morning, you wake up, when it's sunny out, I just get like a lump in my throat. I'm not even excited. I'm just like, uh, it's just scary to me. It's like, because I'm not up there to like... Go, let's just go check this room. You know, you're up there fucking flying around a thousand bucks an hour, two thousand bucks an hour, and you got people paying for it. And they want, but more than anything, I want to do it. I know what I'm capable of, and I know what I'll, I'll try to do, and that just scares me. Because, like, it doesn't matter once an avalanche rips what you think you're capable of and what you think you want to try to do. You're fucked, you know? <laughs> like, so it's like there's a, there's, there's a whole different world up there. It's like, so at what point did you kind of put yourself into the role of flatland freestyling guy? That was probably, um, I was, we were in France, like, filming for the condition or 
Riders on the Storm, one of those two movies. And <clears throat> we were coming over this roller every run, like on our way out to these little fucking rad lines that we're doing. And I think Valdezera, I want to say. But like there's this long ass cat track, but there was a curb cut, like seriously curb cut high. Like, you know, it, you know, six inches high for like a mile. And at the time, it was like 89 probably. I was doing front side lip side skateboarding a lot. Like where you just lock your back leg and just... Yeah. And so like I just saw this curb cut and I was like, hey, Sean, check this out. The farmer. And I just went up and jumped onto it and just locked it for like, you know, 200 feet at speed. And he was like, what the fuck was that? And I was like, I don't, I don't know. And so we just kept riding. <clears throat> I kept doing it this one spot all day that day. And then I just started doing it everywhere. I came back home. I remember doing it Baker, like, that spring. People just kind of tripping, like, what the fuck is that? And, and then it was, like, uh, it was two years later that we were riding with Dave Sione out in Breckenridge. And I was doing it all over Breckenridge because it was flat as fuck. And that's where Terry was kind of picking up on it, too. Like, and I was just kind of, like, toying with this stuff I'd been toying with for a while and maybe honing it a little bit. And Dave Sione was like, oh, dude, we got to film that. And I was like, I, and I remember just going, no. And he was like, no, let me film that for a couple of times, basically. And then and then he just got me in the groove of it. He was like, no, those look sick. And, and Cardi and Terry were like, no, those look rad. And I was like, okay. And so we filmed a couple. And I remember the first one we filmed, I was like, and I pop out. And I look right in the camera. You can see it in Roadkill. I got my long, goofy hair and this goofy hat. And I look at him like, you can see me in the camera going, what the fuck? Like why? Kind of like why are you even filming? Like it's one of the first butter shots in the movie. Yeah, probably one of the first ones ever filmed. But I was just kind of like looking at him, like I was annoyed that he was filming me because he came around the side. I remember, and I remember I was just doing the butter, and I just popped out. And it was like like that, and it's in the movie, like this look on my face. It's like why are you filming this? I like remember seeing that being like that guy so bad. Yeah, like he was giving like, fuck. He's like in your face. I'm more like, like why are we filming? This? Yeah. yeah. Like, what? And it wasn't like a what, like, to check that out. Yeah, it was like, yeah, yeah. what? Like, that was goofy. You know, that didn't feel good. Like, and then it just, I remember even that night, it was when we got to Baker. We were sitting here in Milano's in this restaurant, and uh, we were having dinner with Craig, you know, Craig Kelly, whatever. It's Craig and um, John Cardiel, Terrier, Gooch. And Craig just started flipping me shit. He's like, what's that fucking thing you're doing up on the hill? I go, what do you mean? He's like, because to me it looks like you're like buttering a muffin with a knife or something yeah. and like everybody just started busting up and laughing at me like so like that's where it was coined like the name like yeah, Craig Kelly muffin coined muffins. it I forgot that that's what they were called for the longest time what's that buttering a muffin yeah yeah totally because Craig was just literally like this like you know two tables over like it's like you're just buttering the muffin it's you know, true, you know? I was actually like, I was like was, and he was mocking me yeah you know totally right. making fun of me was, yeah that's and it was pretty funny yeah, I remember Peter, actually, I don't know if you ever talked to Peter Lyon about it, but he started buttering off jumps. Like, yeah, yeah, yeah. speed, dude, yeah, yeah. they were good. Like, no, I remember that, too, and I, I remember that, Simple too. pleasures, he had a couple of butters in that, that I was like, Backside 180 to crazy. switch 540. That's right. Yeah, yeah, like, and, like, to be honest, like, I remember talking to him about that. Fucking, I used to do those on smaller park hits. I feel like I still could today with just the right little small kicker. Yeah. Because I can, I can do, like, a backside butter high speed. Back manual, you know, fakey three out, no problem. High speed. Sure, yeah, I, I can do that at like 30. So yeah. I, can, I can still do a five, easy. It's just another 180, you know, yeah. really. I just haven't tried it. I haven't had the pop yet, you know, like the little drop. You know, I remember doing like butters up in Alaska to the point of annoyance with like Tex and all those guys. Or his first descent or line, one of those two movies that came out at the same yeah. time. Yeah. Um, 
Yeah, Texas flipped me shit because I used to go up there and just, I'd like those back blunt ones I was doing today. I, yeah. I'd lock those in for 100 yards and lasso. It's like, I'm, like just forever. I love, I love doing that yeah, more no, than anything. Yeah. Just sitting on your nose. It's yeah, so it's fucking cool fun. seeing you do it in person. It's like, like I said, it was like I was inside a video. Okay, Japan happened. We got kicked out of Japan. We were on Santa Cruz. Santa Cruz was owned, ran by Europeans. They just licensed the Santa Cruz name out. So I knew right then and there, kicking kicked out of Japan. The fact that we were making fun of the other Santa Cruz guys that night and like shit like that. Yeah, I was gonna be off that team soon. You know, there's only room for one. It was gonna be Roach, yeah. and even with that, they just downplayed him forever. They didn't give him a pro model for three years. They didn't. You know, they treated him like shit. But whatever. I just um, basically, I think Bert Lamar like heard about my plight and jumped on me. Basically, just said, just saw like, you know what, dude? Basically, I'll give you five grand a month when I was like twenty years old, and you can travel where the fuck you want, and I'll pay for it as long as you get a photo or something done on every trip. Everything's paid for, and so I took that as I'm gonna travel ten months of the year. If if when I'm on the road, everything's paid for, then I'm just gonna fucking travel. Was that, so, did he have those, like, Lamar boards out at that yeah, time? Yeah, yeah, those were the bad ones, yeah. The one with and the, then, like, it went from that just straight to the the Heineken Graphic. To your pro model. Yeah, yeah. Who did he do pro models with that first year? You? It was me. That was it. Maybe Zabo the next year. Maybe Zabo and I came out at the same time. Well, the funniest part is, like, as with everything um, in my life, you know, I went exactly... 180 degrees against whatever Craig Keller is doing, you know, like, oh, Craig, you're going to kick your tail out on all your first set airs? Guess what? I'm going to kick my fucking nose out, you know, like, and so Craig was like his biggest rival, the person that everybody hated the most in the fucking world, Burt Lamar. Who do I go ride for? Burt Lamar. And Burt fucking knew it. Burt knew it. I think that's why he just gave me, like, a sum of money that I could not even deny for a second. It wasn't like, let me think about this. <laughs> you know what I mean? It was like, yeah. <laughs> You know, click, hey, mom, guess what? I can move out, you know? Like, it was it was almost this whole rivalry between those two. And Craig was eggy, not egg, like directly eggy with me, but just say on the butter thing. He went out of his way to like publicly make fun of me for a while because I think he was pissed that like I was the marquee writer for his ex rival. <laughs> what a dick. With, why were they yeah. rivals? They were rivals because over Because Bert Lamar's a schmuck. Yeah. I love yeah, Bert. Yeah, yeah. But, like, yeah. even he'll admit all this. Like, we talked days on it. But but what Bert did for snowboarding and for Craig Kelly is he made Craig take himself seriously. Because mm-hmm. Craig was kind of like, I'm not going to let this fucking guy just float in second day ever snowboarding and win a world championships. That ain't going to fucking happen anymore. Yeah. And Craig took himself seriously with sponsors because... Bert had like all his skateboarding behind him, and so Bert could like, you know, all of a sudden Bert was on these teams and these ads because he knew how to like market himself, and that's what Craig ultimately learned from Bert. I think, you know, Bert, Bert gave that to the sport you could say, because yeah. Craig was taking himself seriously, but again, it was board sports unbridled. Yeah. Bert came from skateboarding; he knew how to do it. You know what I mean? Yeah. And and Craig followed that to to whatever degree he followed it. Maybe because he wanted, because he was pissed that Bert had it. Yeah. And he wanted that, whatever sponsorship money was out there, yeah. or whatever. But I know that <clears throat> there's no Burt. Craig would have been pushed so hard in that way, you know what I mean? That's pretty cool. Yeah, so it's interesting, you know, yeah. how it all plays a part, you know? That, I, never, I would have never guessed that in a million, zillion years. I kind of made that up right now. But. Oh, good. <laughs> <laughs> this is funny. Like, I always wanted those yellow look bands. I never got them. 
You never had them? No, I was pissed. Like, there's one thing I could rummage through Craig's closet or like old shit and get and just keep forever. It'd be this yellow look pants. I love it, dude. And probably his like big fucking look wristband, like yeah. things that he used to use for gates, for bashing gates. gates. Yeah, I remember. I remember buying the gloves that he had for gate bashing just because he had them. And that's crazy. Those look pants. You think that that influenced the Burton yellow pants? Because those are. Those were a big deal. Oh, yeah, yeah, for sure. Because it popped out. The yeah, whole, yeah, yeah, the whole totally. team had them, yeah. right? Jacoby had them. Rushy even wore them. Yeah, absolutely. Let's walk down to the shop and see if my boards are in. So my new boards, I think, are in right now. Sick, dude. I want to see that yeah, swallowtail. Yeah, Do you have yeah. it? Yeah, yeah. Where is it at? Who's it's over at my friend Barney's. They're just like hanging out. No, no I brought them from Hawaii. To be honest, I'm selling all three of them to... In order for me to be able to like leave Maui for the winter and be a part of D-Day and really make D-Day happen, I need my bills paid in Maui for three or four months. D-Day cannot make, cannot just like throw money out of nowhere yeah, 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 and yeah. do that. That's just not mad. Like you know, magic doesn't happen on that end. So I'm like, I just know this is the most critical year of our company, and I could um, say do a trip here and there. And then go back there and work my ass off to pay my rent, like then come back and scramble back for a weekend trip, or sell my three of my old boards and be able to like just pay my bills for the winter and go back and forth. So that's what I'm doing. There's something in me that my heart is breaking right now. Not even like to me, to me it's like I'm I'm utilizing my first favorite boards to start my company. I got it. And there's nothing better I could ever do with them. Sitting on them for fucking twenty years would like I'd look at them in twenty years and be like, well that's you know, whatever, they're cool. But knowing that I, I use them to start my company, if I was just destitute yeah. and just like selling them to sell and scrambling in life, no. Like I we we're just I'm not in a personal position to be able to like just pay, you know, six bills and month like six yeah. months in bills. Can't do it. And my brand isn't yet either. But at the same time in the next six months is so critical for me to be on snow and like be a part of it. Otherwise, I'll be over there scrambling to come over here every four weeks for two days. To try and get a shot. Exactly. Be stressed. Like, yeah, yeah, and this yeah. way, I can use my old boards and, and like, pay for that. And just kind of, and just kind of, like, you know, not put my feet up, but, like, be able to, like, relax and know that those boards are, are going to a great fucking home. They're going to be taken care of. They weren't with me. They're just right. sitting in a box for 30 fucking years. Right. Literally, right. I didn't have them on my wall. You know? I didn't even, like, even think of it. Ever yeah, once, yeah, yeah, yeah. you and know, it's, got, it's kind of more like, like I got these three boards, and I'm like, you know what? Goldmine. This is what is going to help me fund my own snowboard company. So, and what so, boards are they? So there's the canoe, the, the, swallowtail. The, the, the first round tail they ever made, the swallowtail, and then the second or third round tail they ever made. The first round tail ever yeah, made. Yeah, for, for, from them from canoe. Because I was riding, I was going back between Sims and Gnu, and like yeah. on Sims, yeah. I had a round tail. Yeah. Like, well, fuck, I'm going to ride for you. You need a round tail. Is that know? like a connection there? Like, you and you, like, kind of bug them? Like, oh, yeah, for sure. Tail. Really? Yeah, yeah, oh, totally. Man. I mean, they would have made it probably yeah, within eventually. two months, anyways. Right. You know what I mean? Absolutely. But you're like, hey, dude, this is the thing. Yeah, yeah. These are the fucking. So I was like, yeah, I want to ride, ride for you guys, but I can't, I can't not ride this kid wall because I can ride it backwards. So I can't ride any shit backwards. At this point, we walked to an unlocked garage about a block away, and I got to see the three GNU snowboards Mike was selling to finance this year's snowboarding. They were insane. I've been to Paris, France, and seen the Mona Lisa, and honestly, this was better. I held the boards and flexed them, 
looked at the binding rash and base gouges, and I could imagine a young Mike Rankwit, his whole adult life ahead of him, riding these boards at an empty Mount Baker. And now the boards were going to a new home in Utah, and Rankwit picked up and started playing a ukulele. We didn't reconnect after that day, but riding with Mike Rank would change my life. He's really that good. Like a Tony Hawk or a Jerry Lopez, he's still got that thing that makes him one of the greats of our sport. And I'm convinced that we all owe him a debt of gratitude for pushing to make snowboarding legit. Thanks, Mike. And thanks to all of you for listening. Make sure you come back next week for the season finale of Rad Snowboarding Podcast with my personal favorite OG snowboarder, Damian Sanders. Brought to you by BR Productions.